Hello, literary nosy parkers. I'm your book inspector, Daisy Buchanan, and I'm thrilled to tell you that your book is coming back for a brand new series, and we have some brilliant guests. Firstly, I'd like to talk to you about another project that I think you'll be as excited about as I am. I'm collaborating with independent publishers The Pound Project on a new book, Burn Before Reading. This is a subject close to my heart, a celebration of books and an invitation to read for pure pleasure. I look at my own burnout, global burnout, and how reading made me feel nourished, restored, connected and joyful, lighting my path out of my darkest and most difficult moments. Burn Before Reading is for all book lovers and all of you who want to reconnect with reading for pleasure, joy and fun. The book is only available to order until the 27th of September, exclusively from the Pound Project website, as a link in the show notes. They're a great publisher to support, and ordering Burn Before Reading is a great way to support the podcast. Now I can give you a sneak preview of what to look forward to this series. I love talking to Meg Mason, the author of Sorrow and Bliss, about her early reading. Some of this might surprise you, and she reveals that one book in particular set the tone for her future writing. Can you remember the first book you really fell in love with, the first book that felt like it was for you? I can. And one is from very early in my life and one is in my teens. I wasn't a reader. I just was not a reader, even though I grew up in a really bookish household and my mother was always taking us to the library and she was always reading some, you know, furry library edition of a classic. Um, sort of my image of her in childhood is with a book. But I just didn't take to it. And I, I don't know why, because I've always been interested in story and I was always writing stories. But the one book that I remember really being so moved by and went back to over and over again was a picture book so no words called um sunshine by jan ormerod and i still buy it every time a friend has a baby that's you know all the godchildren have received it and it's a beautiful sort of illustrated it just tells the story through pictures of a little girl and her parents who've woken up late on a school morning and they're getting ready but it's this minutiae of the domestic and now i look at it i can see what drew me to it is the tiny details of their life and you know the kettle and the toaster and what's on the floor and the pile of washing and the mother and father sort of you know you can you can see the dynamic between them and when I look at it now I'm like oh that's all my concerns in fiction you know according to google books I write domestic fiction which is a label I resented to begin with and now I've completely embraced it because I'm like actually domestic fiction is the only thing I want to read so it's funny that that's what I was drawn to and then through my teens didn't read and then moved to Australia I grew up in New Zealand and I moved to Australia with my parents when I was at the very beginning of my last year at school which is not a brilliant time to move socially speaking and I suddenly went from you know having a wonderful social life as a teenager to no social life whatsoever and I read I started reading I stopped dodging the prescribed texts which I've always managed to do at school until then written all the essays without having actually read the books so I just read them and I think it was Emma that I read first and it was truly that moment of oh I see what everybody means that you can actually do this not because you know the teacher's forcing you to because I think it had humor in it which I wasn't expecting from classics because I was so ignorant Lucy Foley, author of The Paris Apartment, will have you at Bonkbusters. 
any books at your school that got sort of passed around or whispered about or anything? Oh, well, I remember there was this girl in my year, um, Lene, and she was, she looked sort of about 13 going on 25. She was South African. She was incredibly kind of glamorous. Um, And she used to read these wonderful sort of historical bonkbusters by Judith McNaught, which she would, she once passed me one on a long coach journey and it was just glorious <laughs> I just completely fell into like a Judith McNaught shaped hole for about a year and just read these books and sort of had to hide them from my mum Jilly Cooper as well mm. you know with the kind of <laughs> the way the books would kind of fall open at certain points um in the tale um but I love Jilly Cooper I've come back to them again recently and there's just you know that you can just tell she's having such fun with her cast of characters and such fun with these kind of grand canvases that she's created I can talk about those books all day. I think Rivals is my forever favourite because as well as all the sex, the sort of the details about how she makes like bidding for a regional television franchise the most exciting thing in the world. I know, I know. No other author would be able to get away with it. You know, we're all told you have to wear your research lightly and you can't kind of really just sort of show off about how much you know, but I'm absolutely fascinated. I'm there for all of it. Like all the kind of nitty gritty of polo, all of that, you know. Um, She can just, I think Jilly can just get away with things other writers can't. And Andrew Sean Greer, author of Less is Lost, is the first Pulitzer Prize winner I have ever had a conversation with. I was shocked and delighted to discover that his chat runs the gamut from Don Quixote to Beezus and Ramona. What are the funny books you love? And can you remember the first time that you realised that books were allowed to be funny? Because I think that's quite a big deal, especially when you're a kid. Yeah, when you're a kid. Oh, I'm trying to think about that. There were, you know, there were sort of ki- American kids' books that were, um, like, be- by Beverly Cleary, an author you won't know. but it was No, I love Beverly Cleary, yeah. and I grew up reading the Ramona books from the library, and I remember a beautiful one she wrote called Fifteen, and it's just about a teenage girl, and it's maybe set in the 50s, but it's kind of, it was like the PG-13 Grease for me, and I probably still know that book off by heart. I don't know where I found it, where I got it from. I mean, all those books, some of them are really, like, stunning. But definitely the Ramona books are funny, you know, and the Henry Higgins books. Those are funny books, Um, or at least they were to me. Or there was a book, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Is that that Judy Bloom? Judy Bloom. Of course it's Judy Bloom. And so, and that one was so funny to me because I was a fourth grader reading it and the idea of being, of this sort of, now I look back and it's this sort of, woeful, depressed, world-weary fourth grader. It's a really funny concept. I'm sure that's where I, I first saw the idea. And I loved that. And I have to say, funny books are... Funny books are, are, aren't rare, but ones you really love and connect with are somehow rare, even though um, there's a grand tradition of it. I mean, Don Quixote is a super funny book that mm. also... Fun, highly recommend, and skip any chapter you want to. But it's really, really, it, it surprised me how funny it was. I mean, we don't have to read it in the antique Spanish, so we get to have these delightful translations. Even, you know, the Philip, his early Philip Roth books are super funny. Um, John Updike's Beck books are funny. This will sound ridiculous to you, but as Americans, we don't often come across Cold Comfort Farm, which I read only last year. And... That book, of course, is hilarious. We'll be kicking things off with Andrew Sean Greer on Monday the 26th of September.
you don't want to miss this. Make sure you follow the podcast and follow us. We love to hear from you on social media. We're at Y, the letter Y, booked. Tell us what you're reading, show us your shelfies and look out for some more guest reveals. The line up for this series is, and I don't use this word lightly, iconic. And don't forget, if you want a copy of Burn Before Reading, you have until the 27th of September to order from the Pound Project website. We can't wait to share these conversations with you. For now, I leave you with this from Anne Patchett. You are always someone's favourite unfolding story. See you soon.